Good morning, Nashville. My name is Braden Gall, and this is the 444 Thursday, November 18th. Today on the show, we ask Adam Vingan of The Athletic if the Nashville Predators can make the playoffs without scoring a whole lot of goals. We talked to Josh Ward of WNML in Knoxville to find out exactly why Tennessee Volunteers fans are acting so rationally and reasonably this season. But we begin with a quick injury update from Titans practice on Wednesday. The 440 is brought to you by the Kingston Group, Nashville's award-winning locally owned custom home and remodeling firm. And you know the deal by now. They've been in business and they've been in Nashville for over a decade. And they've been successful because they are trustworthy and their process works. If you own a home and you're thinking about making a huge decision, financially or otherwise, make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website. Talk to the Kingston Group. It's not that much to ask. Just have a conversation. I promise you will benefit. BuildKG.com. Let's take a look at the Titans injury report from Wednesday, of course, going up against the Houston Texans this Sunday, coming off the win against the Saints. This is the first time the Titans have been back on the practice field. Nate Davis did not practice. He was listed with a concussion. Bud Dupree did not practice. He was originally listed as a knee injury, which, of course, caused everyone to freak out. But they corrected that report and is now listed as an abdominal issue as he came out of the game. So an abdominal issue, way better to hear news-wise than it is a potential knee injury. Of course, him coming off the ACL recovery from last season. Chris Jackson, David Long, and Jeremy McNichols also did not practice uh, on Wednesday either. Rashawn Evans, Harold Landry, Greg Maben, Kyle Petko, Jeffrey Simmons, and T.R. Tart were all listed as limited participants. Well, it is Thursday morning on the show. That means we visit with Josh Ward from WNML in Knoxville at Josh underscore Ward. And uh, obviously off the Georgia loss heading into the final two weeks of the season, it does feel like seven and five is very much what is what this team is going to be, Josh. So uh, are, are fans sort of appropriately excited? Are they disappointed about Georgia, but excited about sort of how the season could finish? Where, where's the, the pulse of the fans right now? Yeah, I think the attitude is largely positive. I think Tennessee fans recognized what the Georgia game was going to be. I heard from some fans saying, hey, watch out for the Vols against Georgia. But I didn't hear many fans say that. I heard most fans say, let's see what the matchup looks like. Let's see if the offense can get something done that happened early in the game. And then Georgia took control from there. And I think most fans either expected that or knew that it was a really good possibility to play out the way that it did. So it did. And I think uh, fans then turned around and said, okay, South Alabama and Vanderbilt, we definitely should win these games. That's the mindset, and I think that is more than fair because Tennessee's a massive favorite against South Alabama and will be against Vanderbilt. And if Tennessee loses either game, it would be a big disappointment. So the conversation would change then. I don't anticipate that happening. I, I think most fans are very reasonable and recognize that a 7-5 and five season is as good or better than almost everybody expected this year. The offense has performed well. There has not been a quarterback debate in several weeks, and that's the first time in a long time in Knoxville. Fans will sign up for that and already have. Is You've been in Knoxville a whole a long time, Josh. Is this the most like reasonable and rational outside of that one time they fell off the wagon late that one Saturday night? Um, is this the most rational and sort of reasonable and logical the Tennessee fan base has been in a while? Probably so. And I think part of that is because of what's happened previously where they they bought in and then got maybe overly excited because recruiting was going really well, and that added to it. Truthfully, Tennessee's recruiting is not going great right now. We can talk about the reasons why, but Tennessee is not where the coaching staff wanted to be yet in recruiting. That can change in the future. So with recruiting where it is, and I think most fans recognizing, well, the roster still needs a lot of work to be where Georgia is. Fans were watching and saw the difference, I think, between what Georgia had to, to offer 
as a championship contender and favorite and where Tennessee is right now. Now, they're still going to expect more development and more production in the future. So will they be reasonable in a couple of years? I don't know. That's that's a conversation for then. But right now, I think fans are happy. I think they like the coach. I know they enjoy watching the offense, and they're not asking for too much more right now. Josh, make the case for Josh Heupel and this staff to be able to recruit at that, maybe not Bama or Georgia level, but maybe right behind them. Make, make the case for why that's something that could happen in the future. Well, I think on the defensive side, you look at Rodney Garner as the defensive line coach. He has a terrific track record with recruiting at Tennessee, at Georgia, at Auburn. He knows the SEC, and you also need really good defensive linemen. So he's a good guy to have at that position. I would say Willie Martinez and Tim Banks, they've recruited uh, at a high level for a long time in the SEC, the Big Ten. So you have different areas that are covered on the offensive side. The recruiting pitch is obvious, isn't it? Hey, we're fun. Look at the quarterback success. Look at what Javante Payton has been able to do. Look at the development of Cedric Tillman. He's not a guy that was ranked high at all. So you can go to a more highly rated prospect and say, imagine what we can do for you. Now, is Tennessee going to get to where George is? I can't predict anybody gets to that level with what they're doing or what Alabama has done. But to be more of a, a top five to top 15 uh, ranking in the future, I don't think that's really possible this year. But next year, I think that can very much happen if Tennessee improves its recruiting in-state because there's talent to recruit inside the state of Tennessee and there's enough talent nearby, plus the connections I mentioned that Tennessee Tennessee staff has. Now with some level of success on the field, they didn't have that during the offseason. And you can at least pitch that, hey, we're moving past the NCAA stuff. It should be easier to recruit in 2023 and beyond than it was for the 2022 class. Anything you'd like to say about the South Alabama game at all? I wish it were starting earlier. It's a, it's, an, it's a night game. I will say this. Tennessee fans still remember the Georgia State game, and I don't think that that's applicable to this one, but fans experienced it, and they don't want to experience it again. So Tennessee's players need to be ready, but I think one advantage of having Josh Heupel as the head coach is that the floor should be raised for these type of games. Tennessee's offense should be good enough to where South Alabama cannot keep up with the Vols. Josh, always a pleasure, my friend. Uh, get some sleep before all that work you got to do on Sunday morning, all right? You got it. Thanks a lot, Braden. Through 16 games, the National Predators are averaging 2.69 goals per contest. That is good for 25th in the NHL. And I asked Adam Vingan on the Gold Standard Podcast, can a team that is one of the worst five or six scoring teams in the NHL contend for a playoff spot if they do not improve their offensive productivity? Well, to answer your question, I went back and looked at the the goals for per game last season, of course, a 56 game season. But I went back and, and sorted, the, sorted the league from top to bottom. Um, the Predators were 22nd out of 31 teams last season in goals per game at 2.7. You said 2.69 this season. Okay, They were the lowest scoring team to make the playoffs last year. <laughs> um, the, the teams below them, Arizona. Vancouver, San Jose, New Jersey, Los Angeles, Buffalo, Columbus, Detroit, and Anaheim. So the Predators basically averaged over 56 games, the number of goals per game that they're scoring right now, and were still able to make the playoffs, but they did it. They did so on the back of their goaltending. So is it possible for a team to make a to make the playoffs scoring 2.7-ish goals per game? Yes. Is it likely? It, you know, it requires a lot of other things to go right. You know, if, if the Predators continue to get the goaltending that they have from UC Soros, 
even if there is some offensive aggression, they will probably be in a good enough spot to at least challenge for a playoff, a playoff position. That was Adam Vingan, of course, of The Athletic on the Gold Standard Podcast with yours truly, of course, talking Nashville Predators out every single Thursday. Of course, please rate, review, and subscribe. Now, if you look at the Nashville Predators, and we talked about this on the show, the last couple of seasons, over the last six years, let's say, going back to their cup run in 2017, they were 19th in the NHL in 2020 in scoring, 19th in the NHL in 2019 in scoring, 7th in the NHL in 2018 in scoring, and 11th in 2017. Is it purely coincidental that the two highest scoring teams the National Predators have had the last six seasons are the two that made the deepest playoff runs. Maybe it's totally coincidence, maybe not. If you'd like to know a lot more about the offense and the expectations and the regression to the mean potentially coming for some players on this National Predators team and just how dominant UC Saros has been, please go listen to the Gold Standard Podcast out everywhere podcasts are found. The 440 is delivered to you every single morning for free by the Kingston Group. BuildKG.com is the website, and if you have a home and you may ever need some work done on it, big-time stuff, make sure you talk to the Kingston Group. You need a plan. It's not that complicated. BuildKG.com is the website. Remember the name, the Kingston Group. Thank you guys all for listening. Please share the product. Tell somebody about it. We really appreciate it. That's how we keep this thing rolling and keep this thing going, and make sure you check out the Kingston Group as well. My name is Braden Gall. You can follow me on Twitter at Braden Gall. That's where we interact and have conversations and argue and debate about all this good stuff that's happening in Tennessee and in Nashville. Again, share the product. That is all that we ask. Thank you all for listening. This has been the 444 Thursday, November 18th. The 440 is a production of 440 Media, written and produced by Braden Gall, music by William Tyler.